Section 9 of The Governess or The Little Female Academy by Sarah Fielding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thursday, the fourth day. Our little company, as soon as the morning school hours were over, hastened to their arbor and were attentive to what Miss Jenny Pease should propose to them for their amusement till dinner time, when Miss Jenny, looking round upon them, said, that she had not at present any story to read, but that she hoped, from Miss Dolly Friendly's example yesterday, some of the rest might endeavour sometimes to furnish out the entertainment of the day. Upon which Miss Suki Janet said that though she could not promise them such an agreeable story as Miss Dolly's, yet she would read them a letter she had received the evening before from her cousin Peggy Smith, who lived at York, in which there was a story that she thought very strange and remarkable. They were all very desirous of it, when Miss Suki read as follows. Dear cousin, I promised, you know, to write to you when I had anything to tell you, and as I think the following story very extraordinary, I was willing to keep my word. Some time ago there came to settle in this city a lady whose name was Dyson. We all visited her, but she had so deep a melancholy arising, as it appeared, from a settled state of ill health, that nothing we could do could afford her the least relief or make her cheerful. In this condition she languished amongst us five years, still continuing to grow worse and worse. We all grieved at her fate, her flesh was withered away, her appetite decayed by degrees, till all food became nauseous to her sight. Her strength failed her, her feet could not support her tottering body, lean and worn away as it was, and we hourly expected her death. When at last, she one day called her most intimate friends to her bedside, and as well as she could, spoke to the following purpose. I know you all pity me, but alas, I am not so much the object of your pity as your contempt, for all my misery is of my own seeking and owing to the wickedness of my own mind. I had two sisters, with whom I was bred up, and I have all my lifetime been unhappy, for no other cause but for their success in the world. When we were young, I could neither eat nor sleep in peace when they had either praise or pleasure. When we grew up to be women, they were both soon married, much to their advantage and satisfaction. This galled me to the heart, and though I had several good offers, yet as I did not think them in all respects equal to my sisters, I would not accept them, and yet was inwardly vexed to refuse them for fear I would get no better. I generally deliberated so long that I lost my lovers, and then I pined for that loss. I never wanted for anything, and was in a situation in which I might have been happy if I pleased." My sisters loved me very well, for I concealed as much as possible from them my odious envy, and yet never did any poor wretch lead so miserable a life as I have done, for every blessing they enjoyed was as so many daggers to my heart. Tis this envy that has caused all my ill health, has preyed upon my very vitals, and will now bring me to my grave." In a few days after this confession she died, and her words and death made such a strong impression on my mind 
that I could not help sending you this relation, and begging you, my dear Suki, to remember how careful we ought to be to curb in our minds the very first risings of a passion so detestable and so fatal as this proved to poor Mrs. Dyson. I know I have no particular reason for giving you this caution, for I never saw anything in you but what deserved the love and esteem of your very affectionate cousin, M. Smith. As soon as Miss Suki had finished her letter, Miss Patty Lockett rose up, and, flying to Miss Jenny Pease, embraced her and said, "'What thanks can I give you, my dear friend, for having put me into a way of examining my heart, and reflecting on my own actions, by which you have saved me, perhaps, from a life as miserable as that of the poor woman in Miss Suki's letter?' Miss Jenny did not thoroughly understand her meaning, but imagining it might be something relating to her past life, desired her to explain herself, which she said she would do, telling now in her turn all that had hitherto happened to her. The Description of Miss Patty Lockett Miss Patty Lockett was but ten years old, tall, inclined to fat, her neck was short, and she was not in the least genteel. Her face was very handsome, for all her features were extremely good. She had large blue eyes, was exceeding fair, and had a great bloom on her cheeks. Her hair was the very first degree of light brown, was bright and shining, and hung in ringlets halfway down her back. Her mouth was rather too large, but she had such fine teeth, and looked so agreeably when she smiled that you was not sensible of any fault in it. This was the person of Miss Patty Lockett, who was slow to relate her past life, which she did in the following manner. The Life of Miss Patty Lockett I lived, till I was six years old, in a very large family, for I had four sisters, all older than myself, and three brothers. We played together and passed our time much in the common way, Sometimes we quarreled and sometimes agreed, just as accident would have it. Our parents had no partiality to any of us, so we had no cause to envy one another on that account, and we lived tolerably well together. When I was six years old, my grandmother by my father's side, and who was also my godmother, offering to take me to live with her, and promising to look upon me as her own child, and entirely to provide for me, my father and mother, as they had a large family, very readily accepted her offer, and sent me directly to her house. About half a year before this, she had taken another goddaughter, the only child of my aunt Bradley, who was lately dead, and whose husband was gone to the West Indies. My cousin Molly Bradley was four years older than I, and her mother had taken such pains in her education that she understood more than most girls of her age, and had so much liveliness, good humor, and ingenuity that everybody was fond of her, and wherever we went together, all the notice was taken of my cousin, and I was very little regarded. Though I had, all my life before, lived in a family where every one in it was older, and knew more than myself, yet I was very easy, for we were generally together in the nursery, and nobody took much notice of us whether we knew anything or whether we did not. But now, as I lived in the house with only one companion, who was so much more admired than myself, 
the comparison began to vex me and i found a strong hatred and aversion for my cousin arising in my mind and yet i verily believe i should have got the better of it and been willing to have learnt of my cousin and should have loved her for teaching me if any one had told me it was right and if it had not been that betty the maid who took care of us used to be for ever teasing me about the preference that was shown to my cousin and the neglect i always met with she used to tell me that she wondered how i could bear to see miss molly so caressed and that it was want of spirit not to think myself as good as she was and if she was in my place she would not submit to be taught by a child for my cousin molly frequently offered to instruct me in anything she knew but i used to say as betty had taught me that i would not learn of her for she was but a child though she was a little older and that i was not put under her care but that of my grandmamma but she poor woman was so old and unhealthy that she never troubled her head much about us but only to take care that we wanted for nothing i lived in this manner three years fretting and vexing myself that i did not know so much nor was not so much liked as my cousin molly and yet resolving not to learn anything she could teach me when my grandmamma was advised to send me to school but as soon as i came here the case was much worse for instead of one person to envy i found many for all my schoolfellows had learned more than i and instead of endeavouring to get knowledge i began to hate all those who knew more than myself and this i am now convinced was owing to that odious envy which if not cured would always have made me as miserable as mrs dyson was and which constantly tormented me till we came to live in that general peace and good humour we have lately enjoyed and as i hope this wicked spirit was not natural to me but only blown up by that vile betty's instigations i don't doubt but i shall now grow very happy and learn something every day and be pleased with being instructed and that i shall always love those who are so good as to instruct me here miss patty luckett ceased and the dinner-bell called them from their arbour mrs teacham as soon as they had dined told them that she thought it proper they would use some bodily exercise that they might not by sitting constantly still impair their health not but that she was greatly pleased with their innocent and instructive manner of employing their leisure hours but this wise woman knew that the faculties of the mind grow languid and useless when the health of the body is lost as soon as they understood their governess's pleasure they readily resolved to obey her commands and desired that after school they might take a walk as far as the dairy house to eat some curds and cream mrs teacham not only granted their request but said she would dispense with their school attendance that afternoon in order to give them more time for their walk which was between two and three miles and she likewise added that she herself would go with them they all flew like lightning to get their hats and to equip themselves for their walk and with cheerful countenances attended mrs teacham in the schoolroom this good gentlewoman so far from laying them under a restraint by her presence encouraged them to run in the fields to gather flowers which they did each miss trying to get the best to present to her governess in this agreeable manner with laughing talking and singing they arrived at the dairy house before they imagined they had walked a mile 
There lived at this dairy house an old woman, near seventy years of age. She had a fresh color in her face, but was troubled with a palsy that made her head shake a little. She was bent forward with age, and her hair was quite gray, but she retained much good humor and received this little party with hearty welcome. Our little gentry flocked about this good woman, asking her a thousand questions. Miss Polly Suckling asked her why she shook her head so, and Miss Patty Lockett said she hoped her hair would never be of such a color. Miss Jenny Peace was afraid that they would say something that would offend the old woman and advise them to turn their discourse. Oh, let the dear rogues alone, says the old woman. I like their prattle. And, taking Miss Polly by the hand, said, Come, my dear, we will go into the dairy and skim the milk pans. At which words they all run into the dairy, and some of them dipped their fingers in the cream, which when Mrs. Nelly perceived, who was the eldest daughter of the old woman, and who managed all the affairs, she desired they would walk out of the dairy, and she would bring them what was fit for them. Upon which Miss Dolly friendly said, she had rather be as old and good-natured as the mother, than as young and ill-natured as the daughter. The old woman desired their company to sit down at a long table, which she soon supplied with plenty of cream, strawberries, brown bread, and sugar. Mrs. Teacham took her place at the upper end, and the rest sat down in their usual order, and eat plentifully of these good things. After which, Mrs. Teacham told them they might walk out and see the garden and orchard, and by that time it would be proper to return home. The good old woman showed them the way into the garden, and gathered the finest roses and pinks she could pick, and gave them to Miss Polly, to whom she had taken a great fancy. At their taking leave, Mrs. Teacham rewarded the good old woman for her trouble, who on her part expressed much pleasure in feeding so many well-behaved young ladies, and said she hoped they would come often. These little friends had not walked far in their way home before they met a miserable ragged fellow who begged their charity. Our young folks immediately gathered together about this poor creature and were hearkening very earnestly to his story, which he set forth in a terrible manner of having been burnt out of his house and from one distress to another reduced to that miserable state they saw him in when Mrs. Teacham came up to them. She was not a little pleased to see all the Mrs. Hands in their pockets, pulling out halfpence and some sixpences. She told them she approved of their readiness to assist the poor fellow, as he appeared to them, but oftentimes those fellows made up dismal stories without much foundation, and because they were lazy and would not work. Miss Dolly said, indeed, she believed the poor man spoke truth, for he looked honest, and besides, he seemed almost starved. Mrs. Teacham told them it would be late before they could get home, so after each of them had given what they thought proper, they pursued their walk, prattling all the way. They got home about nine o'clock, and as they did not choose any supper, the bell rang for prayers, after which our young travellers retired to their rest, where we doubt not, but they had a good repose. End of section 9